Oh, I'm pretty sure they're loaded in the chat room. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Top of the Table. As you can see, we are joined by the very esteemed and rat-loving Alexi Lawless. Along with coming to us, where, where are you coming from? A squash court, I think it said, Mark? Yes. <laughs> the, 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 the annals, if you will, of CBS. 20 seconds into the show, and you've already got the double entendre working. Very nice. Uh, Sarah will not be joining us this week as she is driving back from a wedding in Chicago. Um, she is celebrating Sporting KC's clinching of the East by going to a wedding and not having Skype on her phone. At least that was yeah. the excuse I was given. So Sarah won't be joining us, but uh, we have Alexi, and this is going to be awesome. Uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us in the chat room. And thank you again to Jeff Katz and the good people at GeekWeek.com that let us come on here every week and do a show. Hey, Alexi, how are you, sir? I'm good. Thank you for having oh. me. This is, uh, this is a, a first for me, I think, from a technological standpoint here. And, uh, you know, I have, usually I have makeup and great lighting, and uh, I don't, but I am looking forward to this. Dude, those are some monster speakers you got back there. Yeah, I don't mess around. <laughs> I mean, when it comes to, you know, sound. <laughs> All right. All right. Nice, little, nice. A, a nice mic set up on the left. Two, what, yeah, nice. two monitors behind you, the guitar. Very nice. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I dressed it up a little bit for you, cleaned it up, you know, try to uh, give something of a background. Kudos for Daphne and Velma, by the way. What's that? Kudos for Daphne and Velma, by the way. Yeah, uh, you know, you got to surround yourself with uh, gingers at all, and good gingers at that. Was Velma a ginger? Or Batman for anybody? Yeah, kind of. The sweater, I guess. Real, the sweater. real dark. Yeah, I mean, we might keep her. <laughs> okay. It's kind of like a darkish brown. I don't think anybody else would, so you may as well. Okay. Oh, that's not. Nice. <laughs> oh, I went there. So, uh, if anybody follows the show, two weeks ago, uh, Mark made an impassioned plea five minutes before the show started for Alexi to join us, uh, giving us proper time to advertise and me proper time to um, not have to have Alexi get jumped five minutes before. Mark, as you can tell, is a diehard uh, LA Galaxy fan. And Alexi is the one-time general manager of the LA Galaxy now. Who broke my heart! Yeah, getting live. Broadcaster extraordinaire <laughs> for ESPN. And again, we want to thank Alexi for joining us. Indeed. For this uh, televised train wreck on a Sunday evening. My pleasure. And I, and I will say this. For those of you who uh, were not Galaxy fans for those few seasons, who didn't have access to the season ticket holder events that we had, uh, Alexi, you were absolutely phenomenal. You reached out to every fan. You answered every single email I sent you, no matter how aggravating I was. Within moments, you, you were just stellar, and I really miss having you around. I really do. Oh, you're the one. You, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I knew there was somebody. That, no, I, I do appreciate that. It was, uh, uh, you know, looking back on it, a crazy, crazy time in my life. I learned a tremendous amount. Uh, certainly made mistakes along the way, but. Uh, I am better for it uh, as a businessman or whatever you want to call it, but also uh, as a person. Well, let me let me ask you this. And this is I know I'm already Brian's gonna be mad at me for this. Um, would you consider your time with the Galaxy? Were they a little bit better prepared for you than maybe the uh, Pink Cows were? Than the what? The red. The Red the Bulls. Red Bulls. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, we went through a kind of a transition where when I joined up with, with the Galaxy, obviously it was just starting uh, that whole uh, DP phase that we are knee-deep in right now. And right. 
that's all, that's all fine and well to talk about doing something like that, but to actually implement it and to implement it to the extent that the galaxy did with the hurricane that is David Beckham, uh, right. you know, there's no, there's no roadmap for that. And yeah. so, you know, we kind of went along trying to figure it out and to a certain extent winging it. We had a lot of, lot of help and we went up and down. And I think, you know, the, the galaxy, while from a personal standpoint, it might have been challenging and at times painful. I, I can take a step back and I can look at it from the time that I was there and even to the time that I, that I left and say, you know, maybe the galaxy needed to go through that to understand how to deal with that type of situation. And they've certainly come out on the other side better for it. And I, and I got to feel that the organization and, and the, the people that are in it certainly learned along the way uh, and were able to look back and kind of say, well, this went right, we should keep this, and this didn't, and let's change it. But you got to kind of go through that to get to that point. Right. And what a, and what a trial know. by fire, your first designated player is David Beckham. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, you can't get any bigger, and I, I don't think we are going to see any bigger. And, you know, he just, through no fault of his own, to a certain extent, just sucks everything out. And for a team, even like the Galaxy, which you have to understand, even at the time, was still one of the big clubs uh, that was looked to, it was still a difficult scenario to have to deal with on and off the field. And, you know, we, we dealt with some of it well and some of it we didn't. Right. Um... Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, there's, there's music going on in the background. I just lost my train of thought. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm talking to Alexi Lawless. I, I, I'm sorry, I'm kind of excited. And the lights flickering um, on in the background makes it like a Wang Chung video. Yeah, that's we're, we're testing lights that have, have been broken. That's Martine back there testing lights. Uh, sorry about that. I, I have limited space where it's quiet, where I can actually do things and have signal. Um, so now but you're at X Factor, so it's okay. Yeah, well, kind of. I was behind you doing this. Did I just get Skype bombs? Yes, you did. I think I did. Oh, wow. Pink okay. background now. <laughs> hey, if, if, we tell, if we call out colors, will they leave it on the back? Can we get a nice orange for uh, our blue? Martin, can you put it in orange? Or blue. Or blue? Yeah. The light? It's testing in uh, test mode. It's in test mode. We'll figure it out later. Right, this whole show um, is in test mode. It's all right. Yeah. I'm in test mode. Um, yeah, Alexi, so you came in, you came in at a time when the Galaxy were kind of at a low. Their old GM, longtime favorite, had passed away unexpectedly. Uh, as far as I remember, I'm sorry, I'm having a total brain fart right now. Yep, that's true. Uh, you know, you came in, and um, the coach at the time, the year before, well, this, this, the break before we got David Beckham, uh, shortly before it was announced that we had signed David, I went online, and I was about to order an Uga Hemelu jersey. You, sh you should have called. Here me. we go. <laughs> well, because I got plenty of those in Dallas now. Yeah, easy, easy, pal. <laughs> um, so you know that trade went down. We got Joe Cannon. Was at the coach at the time. Was it his? Was that something that he wanted to pursue? Was it a joint venture? Was it something that you guys thought, or did, did Colorado initiate the process? How how did that? How did how did that? I'm asking particulars on that because that's a passionate thing for me. But how do how do most of these situations come about? How do they take place? What goes on? Well, it depends. You know, I was lucky to be with three different MLS teams, and immediately when I got to all the different teams, I needed to establish uh, a chain of command and, and an understanding with not just the coaching staff but with the front office staff on this is how it's going to work. With regards to the actual team, um, it's different in different places. You know, my directive from AEG from the very first 
uh, moment that I was given the opportunity to go up to San Jose and then out to New York and then back to LA uh, was to learn the business, learn the business of soccer on and off the field. Obviously with my background as a player, utilize that as much as you can, but more importantly learn the business. And you know, I don't have the time nor the inclination to, to go back and try to um, correct every wrong or every um, you know, misunderstanding or misinterpretation of all that kind of stuff, but I just you know, I want you to know because you deserve it because of uh, you know your background with, with the galaxy to understand that any time a decision is made, as far as I'm concerned, being the GM now it's kind of like a technical director uh, probably uh, would 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 probably be uh, you know the same type of position maybe, um, but at that point it was the GM, the president, and the GM, which is what I was. Right. I needed to do everything that I possibly could to give the coach that I had the tools to be successful. Uh, and you know that's that's how it went. Did I you know I was also there to make sure that he had thought everything through. So at times I needed to you know say is this the right thing to do? Why is this happening? Right. And if I if I had a difference in opinion, of course I would tell him that. But I I, I never said you have to do this or you have to do this. I was there to make sure his job was as easy as possible. Uh, you right. know, and and whether it's Ugu Hemelu or any other player. Uh, we would sit down, we would say, look, this is a scenario. Maybe it came to me, uh, maybe it was something where the coach came and said, look, this player isn't working out, I'm not talking about Ugo, but just in general, this player isn't working out, go and see what's out there on the market and see what you can come up with. And, you know, sometimes these things work and sometimes they don't. Joe Cannon, for instance, who, who came in, had a relationship uh, with, uh, with Frank Yellow and, you know, was a very, very good goalkeeper. Looking back on it, I can certainly go back and look at a billion different scenarios, both in terms of the business on the field and the off the field, and say, well, I would have done this or I would have done that. But so can every GM in the league and probably every right. coach. Well, let me go back a second and just say, in no way am I intending to drill you over this or grill you or anything. <laughs> That's I, all right. I, you know, I, I don't get that much access to the galaxy behind the scenes. As, you know, most people don't. So I'm curious as to how things take place, what goes on. Um, I, I'm coming into this episode asking you these questions, in my mind, with the assumption that it was the coach at the time who wanted to make this change, and that's fine. He had a relationship with the keeper that came in. Um, at the time, did you guys think the keeper who was then going out was perhaps beyond his prime? Maybe he'd run his course with the club? Was, you know, was that, what were the thoughts there? You know, I mean, look, uh, at, at that point, this is a guy, you know, Kevin Hartman, who uh, not only was, you know, now i in charge with as the GM, but this was a guy who was a friend and somebody that I had played with. And, you know, it was, it was difficult coming into the Galaxy because there was still players there that I had played with uh, and that I knew. And that's, that's, not a that's not an easy thing to have to go through. With regards to, to Kevin specifically, you know, we sat down and we assessed the situation. And, you know, like I said, I, I'm not here to say... This is the coaches. This is all the coaches uh, uh, doing, because the reality is that as a GM, as the president, and I firmly believe this to this to this day, you are there to make sure that you give them all the tools, but you're also there to make sure that they look as good as possible. And if that means taking hits, if that means having uh, you know any type of problems directed towards you, so that it bypasses the coach, that's what you have to do. You are the captain of the ship. And so, you know, when I look back at decisions that were made, you know, I take responsibility as the president of all the organizations that I, that I was with. 
but I also take responsibility for a lot of the good stuff that went on in terms of the business. And oh, definitely. A lot of that stuff, you know, isn't, isn't reflected in the wins and losses. And I think part of what I did over that time was try to learn how to balance that business versus the competitive side uh, in a way that made sense. And sometimes that takes a little bit of time. You have to understand I had absolutely no experience and I was learning on the fly. And that's not an excuse, but it is the reality of the situation. And player, and right. player management is also kind of like a, uh, like the stock market is you have to be able to say, uh, if you're trading someone like a Kevin Hartman or Ugo Hemelou, what are you getting back? Um, trying to project you know, Hartman's uh, future playing and, and what does it do for the team. And it's, it's like a commodities-based trade. It's, not, it's never, I, don't, well, I can't say it's never, but you know, I don't like this person or they're not playing well. Um, but you know, I get what you're saying. I, I don't think Mark's trying to put your feet to the fire and grill you. Yeah, no way. <laughs> I, I, you know, I hope I'm not coming off appearing to No, no, I, not I, I at love all. this, and this was part of what you know, I think you, you attest, attest to this. You know, this, this conversation and this interaction was something that I was very, very um, uh, positive about in terms of dealing with the, the, you know, the customers, right. the people yeah. that bought these tickets. And, I remember uh, in particular one time I wrote you an email and I said, hey, I really want to buy an Alan Gordon jersey. He's not going to get traded, is he? And your reply to me was, hey, Carlos Ruiz is coming back in a couple of weeks from injury. Maybe you should buy his jersey. <laughs> Which I found hilarious at the time. Uh, uh, anyway, the, the reason I wanted to ask you these questions, you know, it, it's still a sore subject for me, blah, 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 whatever. But a few months back, Hurt Gomez wrote uh, a small blog um, on someone's page about his career, how he was left from KC with no team. Somehow his manager finagled him into Puebla or um, no, not Puebla. Um, Where'd he go? dollars um, a year, I think, is what you're trying to say. Well, whatever it is, they, they got him into the Mexican club where he, with Ruiz. Um, God, why? I, I know anyway. what you're going to say. The, com the comment was, I, I didn't want to be traded. I, I loved where I was, and I was traded. It wasn't a decision. Well, well no. After, he had that first year at the Mexican club where he and Ruiz were they were top goal scorers for the, for the team. He was tied for the uh, boot for the league. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he was happy. He had a great season. In the offseason, the team takes advantage of his success, sells him to a bigger club for money. They make money, he moves on. Now, it may have been portrayed in the press that he wanted to leave, which was never the case. But, you know, the fans never get to see these things. So, you know, when, he, when I read his blog, I was very interested to see what he had to say about, you know, player movement, how it happens, what goes on behind the scenes, his thoughts as a player who's moved several times. So... Again, you know, you have the GM experience. You, as a player as well, you moved around quite a bit. Yeah. Um, what, were, what, what was your favorite move? What was your least favorite move? That I made as a, as a player or as a GM? As a player. Um, I tell you what, you know, when I, when I showed up in Los Angeles, it was, I, I was a different player and I was a different person. I took a year off. I had come from Kansas City uh, and had very little success MLS-wise with New England, and then to the Metro Stars at that time, and then on to uh, Kansas City. And I took a year off and came to, to L.A. And this is not just because, you know, your, your L.A. <laughs> background, but the reality is that I came into a situation with Ziggy and with a, big, a collection of very, very good players where it, it made a lot of difference, you know, and, and it was wonderful. Getting back to Hercules Gomez, though, I, I do have to say, um, you know, I, I, I traded a bunch of players over 
my time as a, as a GM. It was never easy, and if it ever got easy, then you know it would probably be a problem. Um, Hercules Gomez was an absolute professional in terms of the way that he dealt it. Not everybody was, and you know what? I don't expect them all to be, but you could even see at that point when we traded him, when he was standing in my office and I had to break the news to him, that although he didn't want it to happen, immediately his mind switched and this incredible positive energy that we all know and love took over and he looked at it as an opportunity and whether it was, all right, I'm going to show these guys or, hey, at least I'm going someplace where I'm wanted, you know, it was the absolute perfect attitude and I think that that has served him well uh, over the years and probably will serve him uh, going forward to get that call back into the national team at some point. doesn't mean that I wouldn't do it again, but uh, you know, when you, when you bring up specific players, I have different memories of, of different moments, and that certainly stands out. And Hercules right. Gomez tweeted a great thing, uh, it was this week, about when getting the eventual call up. He goes, I don't care if I start or not, I'm going to be there. And then, yeah, all, for, all forwards say that. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, love her, I love Herc, but all forwards say that. I, I truly believe that he wants to be in there because he believes that he uh, you know, can do some damage. And, you know, he's being brought in, if he is brought in, he's going to be brought in on his form and a specific skill set that he has in terms of making the most out of a very short period of time. So it'll be interesting to see if he's brought in, how Jurgen Klinsmann does use him. Is it... Is he startable? You know, I tweeted out yesterday, is this a guy that's startable or is he just found that niche and a great and a great value coming off the bench and providing that spark? And that was one of the things I wanted to segue into next. And I know Mark wants to get to it and we're going to stick with LA, the LA theme for a moment. When does Omar Gonzalez get a call and what does Jurgen Klinsmann yeah. do with Tim Ream? Why does Tim Ream? Why? You know, all right, so I'll, I'll explain my, my Tim, Tim Ream philosophy, all right? If we are to believe uh, Jurgen Klinsmann is going to do something different uh, and something special in terms of the way this U.S. national team is going to play with an emphasis on possession and playing out of the back, if that is, if, if that is the case, you need specific types of players. Tim Ream, for me, still has the best feet. Has he had some gaffes? Without a doubt. But he still has the best feet of any center back that the U.S. has right now. So, I'm, you know, I'm not saying that Omar Gonzalez can't be successful, but the reality is that if you're going to trust that Jurgen Klinsmann is going to do this, and that's a debate we can have whether it, it's able to be done, but he has made it very clear that this is something that he wants to be done, then you have to understand that there is a whole group of players that aren't going to fit into that type of system. And right. is that okay or isn't that okay? That's up, for, up to you to decide. But the reality is that trying to fit absolutely everybody into a system that doesn't necessarily play to their strengths is a recipe for disaster. M- MLS success does not equal World Cup or uh, national team success. And having said that, though, if I was the coach, I would have Omar in in a second. I would have Jeff Cameron in in a second. Uh, George John, you know, these types of players to get them in and see what they can do. But with the understanding that they are going to have to play a very different way. This is once again going back to this Jurgen type of style that he wants to, wants to implement. If this is really going to happen and he's serious about doing this, then you need all guns blazing in terms of technique and ability and skill with the ball at your feet and the ability to possess the ball, the ability to get out of tight spaces, whether it's in the attacking end or whether it's playing out of the back from the goalkeeper. That's exactly right. I agree. Do you, do you think Klinsman wants to play more of a, uh, of a, I think he's called it a Mexican style? I mean, 
is that, mean, is, that know, a, is that a fair quote? Is that a fair a fair tag? I, you know, I, mean, I don't know if he's said that or not, but I, you know, and how you want what what you want to attribute uh, a certain um, style to? You know, is it this? Is it that? It doesn't matter. I mean, but if he really wants to play a style where it is this emphasis on possession and playing short passes, I mean, you can see that. Uh, in a uh, you know in a Mexican team, or you can see that in a, a Barcelona or a Spanish team. Right. You know, I mean, you can see it all over the world. It, you know, to try to put a label on it is sometimes you know very very difficult. But this adherence to possession is is something um, that a lot of people they're they're uh, they hear it and they get they get excited about it. Fair enough, but you got to have the players that are able to do that. And and as I said before. Um, I am willing, if this is what's going to happen, I am willing to give up some dis defensive def uh, responsibilities if a player is good with the ball at his feet. Because the reality is, if this is what you're going for, you're going to have possession a whole lot more. And so that's going to become very, very important, especially uh, from uh, players on the field like a center back that's going to be playing out of the back. Right. Well, you know, I, I agree with you. I think Omar's made a case for himself the last couple months. He's actually been playing, you know, end-to-end -end a lot lately <laughs> with a lot of control a lot of possession he's been doing pretty well better than he was the last couple of years i'm happy to see that um now as a former member of the national team you, you know you had moderate successes you guys did some good you brought the game along but what is it about is there something in the culture of the men's team that's different from the women's team what is it that has made the women so exponentially more successful than the men's side or is it just simply the fact that uh, women's sports in this country, from you know, from from girls at a young age, AYSO, up through college, are well funded, supported, and you know, and uh, encouraged to play a sport and excel at it? And is I mean, it just the rest of the world's catching up now? Well, you know, that's exactly it. And, and you know, if if Julie Foudy was sitting right next to me, she'd say the exact same thing. So this isn't a a slight on you know women's soccer or anything like that. The reality is that. You know, we were ahead of the game. We understood that women's sports, and in this case, women's soccer, was something uh, to uh, you know to be financed uh, and something to be supported, and that's what we did. And we created uh, a juggernaut in terms of the individual players and the teams, and we put a tremendous amount of money and resources and energy into forming these teams. And the reality is that a lot of countries around the world didn't, and still right. don't. Now it's starting to change. Uh, and I think this last World Cup was a real wake-up call in terms of some of the styles that you saw uh, out there. It really was. But, you know, it's just this, this is just the reality. I think it's good because I think it will push the individual players that we have in the program right now and the U.S. Soccer Federation to say, okay, well, this is what Brazil has felt now, where everybody else started to catch up. And, you know, and catching up is one thing, but actually uh, being equal, that, that last little percentage is always the most difficult. And they, a, lot of, a lot of countries in women's soccer still have a ways to go, as in the men's game. But you know what? Brazil said, look, we're not going to roll over everybody all the time. We've got to get better. And you either do or you don't. I, I think this, this U.S. Soccer Federation, in, in terms of the women's program, um, you know, has a real opportunity to take that next step, if you will. If Julie Foudy were sitting here, she would have lost a bet, just by the way. <laughs> Julie, <laughs> I think we're lucky enough to have uh, <laughs> Velma and Daphne. Um, yes. Let's uh, let's shift. shift. One more question, uh, Alexi. With, with your access to the team these days through broadcast interviews, media time, uh, do you think there's anything that the men's program could garner, take away from the women's program? Anything as far as culture, uh, team building, cohesion, anything like that? That you know maybe. 
they could take a page out of the women's book. Well, it, you know, it's interesting because, um, you know, I, I, I saw Pia speak, uh, not just during the World Cup, but, you know, in, in some more uh, private settings with, uh, you know, coaching classes and that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, now that we have Jurgen and this whole positive type of mentality, if you will, uh, that the way Jurgen talks about his players, what he wants to do, everything's with an eye to the future, everything is, it's okay if you make mistakes, go forward. A lot of that was what Pia did, and you know I, I think that there is a time and a place for that, without, without a doubt. And as far as the men's team is concerned, I think that's why this is resonating with uh, with the men's team. What Jurgen is saying, but the reality is that I think the women have been using that to their advantage for a long time now. Now, listen, there's a there's a there's a time and place, like I said. So there's a time when you need your butt kicked too, uh, but there's also a time where you need to be pat on, uh, you know, patted on the back, and that positive energy. Uh, that they talk about whatever that it ends up being, um, find, finding ways to, finding ways to use it. And this isn't all you know, just kind of hippy dippy type of hippy dippy type of stuff. This is providing the confidence to players to do things that they might not believe they can do, or they've been told they shouldn't do. Okay. Uh, let's let's shift gears real quick and let's talk about uh, some of your career, Alexi. Yes. It was a hockey. You were a hockey stud in high school. <laughs> Soccer stud. Yeah. Now correct me. Man, now, man. now let me make sure I have this right. You were the, you were the first American to play in Syria. Ah. Yeah, it was uh, scorched earth for a long time. So thank you to Michael Bradley for uh, you know figuring it out, and he's doing a great job. So it's it's fun to watch. But it, it was a long time, and uh, you know I was back in the Syria days when. Um, you know, before Bosman, before the European community, and, and you know, players migrate to where the money and the prestige is. And back in the 80s and the 90s, that was that was what Syria is. It's changed a little bit, and you know, obviously with the EPL and, and stuff that's happened over there. But uh, talk about a learning experience. I mean, I, I certainly became a better soccer player for the time over there, but uh, I became a much better person with the language and the culture and just the experience of going over there and living in that fishbowl that is. Uh, soccer in uh, in Italy. Italian women. Yeah, yeah. Good food. Beautiful women. You know, wonderful <laughs> culture. Great history. What's not the right. like? Sarah couldn't join us, but she did. She wanted to ask you a question because she's from Hull City, uh, but don't hold that against her. And okay. she wanted to ask you about your Arsenal trial. And she wanted yeah. to know: Did you feel any bias or prejudice being an American at that time? Yeah, it's, it's interesting when I compare and contrast after the World Cup with before the World Cup. And a few years before the 94 World Cup, I went on trial over in Arsenal. And, you know, I was completely unknown, uh, you know, this big, tall center back from the States. And I did what I did and, and uh, wasn't that much. With the hair. Yeah, with, with hair, uh, you know, flying all around and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I, I would, you know, there, there's Tony Adams and there's Ian Wright and, you know, all these great Arsenal players. And it didn't work out from uh, a trial standpoint. It was still a great experience. But the reality is that, you know, I, I didn't get any respect, nor should I have gotten any respect. I hadn't done anything, and on top of everything, I was an American. Now, it was a little bit better than some of my colleagues that went a little before me where they wouldn't even pass them the ball and that kind of stuff. But I lived the power of what a World Cup can do to an individual, uh, and my life completely changed. And the credibility that came from the 94 World Cup uh, it was a huge in terms of getting to Italy because... They had seen me play at a World Cup, and instantly I had some credibility. Now, that only lasts so long, but it was very nice to go in there after a World Cup. But it was interesting to see the different ways that I was perceived before the World Cup 
at a place like Arsenal, and then after the World Cup, uh, coming into Italy. Completely off subject, I gotta ask you this question: Did the cred transfer socially as well? <laughs> hey, man, my life completely changed after '94, <laughs> on and off the field. I, I milked it for all it was worth. I don't have a regret in the world. I burned it on at both ends for a long time, and. You know, never has so much been done with uh, a modicum of talent and uh, some hair and a, gu a guitar, man. I mean, it was, it was full on. I recognized at the moment that my life was changing and really concentrated on um, enjoying it uh, and, and, and not letting it go to waste, if you will. <laughs> right. Yeah. How, how, Such a diplomatic how, answer. That was awesome. Yeah. How horribly uncomfortable were those shirts to play in in 94? Uh, you mean the jean ones, the faux jean ones? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I'll never forget when we first saw them, and uh, our coach, Bora Milutinovic, uh, walked into the room, and he was just absolutely floored, just just could was beside himself. And, you know, Bora didn't really get upset at a whole lot of things, and he was just like, this is the most ridiculous thing in the world. Uh, having said that, you know, you look back, Reality is they were pretty memorable, <laughs> and, and, yeah. you know, and it was, uh, you know, maybe a, a, I wouldn't say a brilliant piece of, of marketing, uh, but, you know, you, there's lots of American jerseys from the past that we don't remember. You're always going to remember that denim, you know, that, that low denim song. I, I did, resi I did I resist the urge to wear the, uh, the swirling flag version that I bought in 94 today, so... Oh, yeah, where you looked like you had had a couple right. too many, you know. It's like, I think yeah. those are stripes, but... It looked like one of those things that I used car a lot with my arms in the air. Yep. Well, I only ask about comfort because I bought one at local sporting goods store. And uh, I remember I wore it to work one day, and I was focusing some lights in a rig, and I got too close, and the shirt actually melted to my skin. So, <laughs> well, I was going to say, I mean, they were extremely flammable. So, you know, you had to be very careful. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, so now in a few minutes we kick off LA and uh, Houston. Yep. Uh, and if Houston wins, they knock New York out, I believe. Is that correct? Uh, Is that where we're at? No, no, no. New York State. It's not a matter of who. It's just a matter of where they finish yeah, right now. Set. You know, it's listen, I know it's hard to understand, but right now. Houston is in the last wild card space. I'm, so I'm looking at it right now. They could actually move up in the Eastern Conference to, well, which would be 49 points, which would. Right, and move New York to fifth. Right. Yeah, which would, New, New York would go cool. to the bottom of the wild, uh, wild card race. So, you know, it's, 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 it's amazing. It's amazing it's come down to this. But this game is important because it changes everybody's scenarios as to who they're going to play. And this, this wild card race that we're looking at right now in MLS is, is really kind of fascinating to see these games that are going to come midway because this is unique. This is something new. And uh, it's one and done. Uh, and it's going to be pretty exciting to see how it all plays out. I think my team will be representing the one and done here in Dallas. <laughs> Who are you guys playing? Well, I don't. I don't. We know yet. If they would have won at San Jose last night, they would have clinched third in the West. Uh, but they did not take full squad, or they didn't take their top yeah. squad. I'm looking. Let's see. You got your, your FC Dallas right now. It's against. It would be against the uh, Houston Dynamo. But if the Dynamo win tonight, they move to second in the conference. We know yeah, New York. Yeah, so it's, it's all up. In yeah, the I mean, it's, it's that's up. the whole thing. And that's what I wanted to get to next is I wanted to discuss playoff predictions because Alexi had a, a running dialogue about give me your sleeper, and he got answers right. all he got answers all the way from defending champion Colorado, 
to resurgent New York, all the way to, to Eastern Conference champion Sporting KC. Are, are yeah. we really calling New York resurgent? Are we really doing that? Yeah. I mean, I mean, considering what they went through. They're in the, I mean, they're look, in the playoffs. Here's the, so, so the question was uh, the other night on ESPN was, you know, who's your favorite and who's your sleeper? So the favorite, I, you know, I think is, is L.A. It's not going out on a limb at all. Uh, but who's your sleeper? And, uh, you know, I looked through all the other teams. And, you know, I came up with, with New York in terms of just squeaking into the, I mean, literally backing into the playoffs the way that they, uh, way that they did it. It's not that they don't have talent. But the drama and the soap opera that has been the Red Bulls on and off the field this year is just incredible. And for them not to make the playoffs would have been a, a complete and utter, utter disaster for that organization and, and, and disgraceful. But when you look at all that stuff that's happened, the reality is they are a sleeper because if they get it together, come on. I mean, they got some very, very good talent. And so I put that out there and everybody else was coming back and saying, Oh, no, how, you just want to talk about L.A. and New York. I said, all right, so fine. So tell me who your sleeper is. And when they started coming back with, with different teams, you look at it and it's like, well, why is that a sleeper? You know, this team has done this and this team is, uh, you know, you've been telling me all year how, how, you know, someone would come back with Seattle. Well, listen, if I have to hear another person tell me how great Seattle is as a team, on the field, off the field, as a city, drinking water, whatever it ends up being, <laughs> I'm going to go crazy. So, you know, I, I really looked at New York and said, you know, you know what, this for me is a sleeper. They get through that first game and they have to go on the road for that wild card game. Anything can happen. You've seen it a million times in MLS. It, it, although L.A. is certainly the favorite, you'd be a fool to pick L.A. to win MLS Cup, given the history. Five teams yeah. that one supporter shield have gone on to win MLS Cup. It just doesn't happen. Yeah. It's very, very difficult to have it happen. Uh, now, do you think the reason people are so um, abject to calling New York a sleeper is because of their DPs? Is yeah. because yeah. of their high profile? Yeah. See, I, I, I think of a sleeper. I think Columbus yes. Crew. Because they're, like they're like that plumber who, who's fixing a pipe for you. And when you're not looking, waxy in the back of the head and buries in the irrigation ditch. <laughs> I, I think I think the crew is that hmm. they've got that pound you when you're not looking ability, and they're I think they're going to be the ones to beat. Right. It's funny because when when I asked the question, and then it came back, and I was like, well, what about the crew? Then the crew would come back and tell me, well, no, we're really very good, you know, and and we're not a we're not a sleeper. We're a contender. We've been there all along, and all this kind of stuff. So people don't know wh which. You know which which benefits them uh, being the sleeper or not being the sleeper, and sometimes they say, "Well, we don't really want to be the sleeper," and then they'll yell at me like, "Well, we really are a sleeper." Did, and so. did Columbus well, come back and to say, me? To me, they are. I've been making jokes about them all season, and here they are. Look at did them. Did Columbus come back and say they're the only team with a negative goal differential in the playoffs? Well, this is the playoffs, so I mean, we can go back and find a million different things. And and, and you know, at the beginning of this year, we were talking about how the reality is that ten teams are going to make the playoffs, and is that good? Well, you know, we came no. down to the last week of the season. I, you know, I would look, I, I, I like playoffs. I, I know that makes me maybe a, a, in the minority, but I like playoffs. I like what they do. They're they're exciting. My 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 contention has always been no problem with playoffs, but let's make that supporter shield really something where you reward it. And you know, in this case, it would be the, uh, the Galaxy. And I don't think that they are rewarded enough for not only playing good soccer and winning, but giving you and the Galaxy supporters a consistently good product on the field throughout the year. And that, you know, that's important. That's important from a business perspective, and that's important from a competitive perspective. And I don't think it is important enough. No, our first home playoff game is on a freaking Wednesday night. 
Capacity is capped because we have an agreement with a school. So we only have like 5,000 tickets we can sell. It's the middle of the week. No one's going to be there anyway. How, how is that fair? Yeah, I mean, well, really? you know, this is this is MLS, so sometimes you know what <laughs> fairness isn't always high, you know high high on the list. It it is what it is. You can't say that it you know was just sprung on anybody. But no, it was. You know, as I said before, when you look at what Bruce Arena has done uh, with this Galaxy team, it's to be applauded. But it should be uh, you know awarded too. And I've and I've argued everything from. Uh, take all the money from MLS Cup and shift it to the Supporters Shield. So there's absolutely no prize money to win MLS Cup. You get the confetti, you get the money shot at the end of the uh, of the game, and the song, and the ball, and you get the patch. That should be enough. Uh, you know, a another thing. Um, you know, let's say that uh, you get the first pick of the draft the next year. You call it the Supporters Shield pick or something like that. Do not pass go. Do not collect 200. Go right to the top of the list, and you get to pick the first guy off the top. Uh, another thing, and, you know, and you one more thing, one more thing. That that's you know they, uh, the guard of honor where they walk out when the uh, the winner it happens over in England and other places where the champion of the league will do a uh, will walk out through a corridor corridor of the opposing team. You know, right now when the Galaxy walks on the field in Houston as a supporter shield winner, in, as far as I'm concerned, Houston should make a corridor of honor and clap them on the field as a supporter shield winner, even though it's play, being played in Houston. That's something that you want to fight for. You want to have that opportunity and then have it run all the way through the playoffs. Make a meet crow. I like that. See, I, I think a great reward, fans get to pick the, the ref they get to just pimp slap. Baltimore Toledo, come here. <laughs> That's We've only got 15 minutes uh, left, and I think if we change this conversation to MLS refereeing, we might, uh, we yeah, might be screwed. Yeah. Last question, last question about playoffs, Alexi, really quick. I mean, honestly, do you think it's good to have more than half the teams in the playoffs? To me, that just seems to really cheapen the process a little bit. Well, I mean, you're cheapening the the – the regular season, I guess, but you're completely. But you're but we're American. But we're American, so we have the playoffs. playoffs. But you're strengthening the playoffs and giving more are, scenarios are we, and, and more. Are we know. really when when Chicago had only won two games by August twentieth and they almost got in? Are we really strengthening the playoffs? That, that's my only argument to that. No, but I think you know that the possibility that Chicago fans could have seen their team make the playoffs as opposed to completely been out of it and it was just done and dusted and that's not going to happen. I think that there is a value to that. And, and look, you know, when I, was, when I was a GM, we used to talk about this constantly. And the, the ownership groups, uh, thankfully, it's become incredibly diverse with different ideas and different opinions. But the reality is that as, as well as, as MLS has done as a business, it's still got a long way to go. So anything that you can do to foster that type of excitement and manufacture it, let's be honest, you got to be able to do it. I know, I know it's difficult and maybe it's not ideal and maybe it will change in the future. Uh, but I think right now the way that they are, they are doing it, it's kind of a necessity. You have to do it. We have, we're Americans. We have to have playoffs. The only thing I really want to change about MLS right now, fire, fire. God, I hate that chant. Oh, my God. Um, Mark's, fa Mark's Brian, favorite chant is the Chicago Fire, that they only have one chant. And he, Sing like, all the freaking and games. He will and um, you will sporadically during the show go into it. So it's kind of a running gag. Who's your MLS MVP? What else do we have, Who's Brian? your MLS MVP? I know it's changed from the All-Star game to now. Yeah, so... Uh, it's actually going to be Thierry Henry, and I'll tell you why. Um, MLS does not provide criteria for the MVP. And so I made up my own criteria. And 
I can because I can. <laughs> and you can too. Because, you're the, because you're the ginger lord. Without a doubt. But anybody can do it. And so I went back and I said, you know what? The most valuable thing in soccer is scoring goals. So with all due respect to Brad Davis or David Beckham, uh, you know what? You, you, you can have a goal without an assist, but you can't have a, an assist without a goal. Absolutely. And so goals for me are the most important. So it's all about goal scores. And then I said, you know what? It's not just about how many goals you score. It's how many different games that you score in. And so I added, I added that up. The other thing I said is, I'm sorry, but your team has got to make the playoffs. That's just the reality of the situation. And then finally I said, penalty kicks for me are discounted. I'm sorry. I think that they should be a completely separate statistical column. Uh, because I don't value them as much as goals from the run of play. And so when I put all this, this calculation together, and I even posted my criteria, and I said, this is what I'm doing, so everybody understood that this is what I was doing, it comes up with Thierry Henry, um, you know, with you know, Dwayne DiRosari and those types of players. Well, I go down my criteria and says, great job, Dwayne, but you didn't make the playoffs. So, you know, those, those types of uh, scenarios. So for me, right now, it's Thierry Henry, even with the red card that he got. Because uh, And we have a, uh, one, of our, one of our viewers, Dean, is coming to us from Manchester right now. Uh, good evening, Dean. And he is screaming Chris Wondolowski. He is an enormous Chris Wondolowski fan. So, yeah, I'm a big Wondolowski fan, too, but, but keep screaming. The team didn't make the playoffs. Um, do you think, no. and he, he's asking now, do you think Wondolowski is a player that could play in England or overseas? I think there's lots of players in MLS that could, could have no problem playing uh, in England or overseas in different places. Chris, Chris Wondolowski, you know, you talk to the coaching uh, the coaches that he's had, and they will, you know, to a man, say this is the best pure finisher that they've that they've ever seen. And I'll tell you what, I, you know, I will raise my hand and say I didn't think that Chris Wondolowski was going to do as well as he did last year, and he proved me wrong. Hats off to him for what he did and how important he has become, not just to San Jose, but to the league and how consistently he has scored. And some fantastic goals. I mean, the, the goal he scored the other day, that first touch that he had in, uh, in New England on the bomb from the goalkeeper, I mean, that, that is not easy to do. And he made it just look like uh, he was doing it with a, you know, a smoke and a cup of coffee. Incredible. So there, there you go, Dean. Enjoy that. Although I know you're a United fan, so you're licking your wounds from that beating today. But there you go. Oh, God, that was horrible. Oh, my um, God. Uh, okay, so, let's see. Quick question for you. Yep. Yeah, we're we're moving we're Kenny moving Co to very quick questions Kenny here. So we have ten minutes left with Alexi. I don't want to keep him past uh, past six thirty. Kenny Cooper, mm -hmm. Sebastian Latou. Yep. Which one looks more like a KMFDM album cover? <laughs> <laughs> I actually approved that question. So <laughs> that is good. Oh my goodness. That's a, and then it's impossible to say because we could be here literally for That's hours. That's a double out. That's yeah. a double out. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Uh, here we go. Uh, let's let's uh, very quickly. Uh, top three teams, Twitter accounts. Uh, let's see. Well, it's it's whatever teams took my advice early in the year and created their own feed for the for, games. Yes. Uh, for the game because it was just killing yes. me. And uh, so hats off to the teams that did that. I think um, I think KC is always going to be at the top in terms of anything digital and, and that type of stuff. They they just they got it buttoned down in terms of what they do. Um, there's not a lot. Unfortunately, there's not a lot of humor, and I know it doesn't necessarily lend itself. You know, you were the official Twitter spokes uh, spokes tweet right. of or whatever you call it of that team. So uh, I don't know who who else would be I out there. I will say that Real Salt Lake's Twitter the is pretty good. The Galaxy. 
Go ahead, I was Brian. just going to say Real Salt Lake. I know those those guys uh, tend to have a sense. Yeah, of they're good. good. They rile up. You know, I like I like it when they when they rile up the troops. You know, it's it's important to to get out there and 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 stir it up. You know, even if you're just giving out information, that's okay. You can have an opinion. <laughs> I, I was going to say the Galaxy person who does a Twitter account, man, she is like four foot four, maybe smoking hot, little ginger too. So, <laughs> but since she only gets 140 wow. characters and no picture, she is disqualified. That's like oh, she is stunning. That's though. like a penalty, and case. she does have a sense of humor. Uh, all right, um, so let's uh, let's now very quickly. Wait, wait, wait! We forgot the big thing. We forgot the big thing of the week. Alexi, you work for ESPN. I do. Well, How would you lose the World Cup? It's not the big thing of the week. That's it's on the list. Our next question was top three player or soccer personality Twitter accounts, and then we were ending with the MLS. Oh. I mean, we were ending with all the right. World Cup. Oh, we're ending with the World yes. Cup. Uh, let's see. Uh, Twitter accounts. I don't follow a lot of individual players. Uh, players, personalities. Um, I've, I've got Kai Wayne. I've got you. Uh, Kai Wayne's pretty yeah. funny. I've got you. Yeah. I've got uh, Brian Dunseth. And then uh, I actually had a tie between Michael Owen and Piers Morgan, but only when they talk to each other. That's true. It is fun to see them go <laughs> off uh, and... Uh, <laughs> And yell at each other. That is fun. Yeah, I mean, look. As far as Twitter is concerned, you know, I I want people that uh, you know are, are entertaining, that are humorous, that zig and zag in terms of what they're putting out there. Um, and uh, you know, it's 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 difficult. I know. I, I tell you right now, if Twitter and camera phones had been around when I was coming up, I would have been done. My career would have been absolutely done. So <laughs> that was that was. Hats off to the way that the, the players now are able to, to go through this minefield that it is today. It's pretty that incredible. That was going to be my very next question. So would 94 have been any different? <laughs> yeah, yeah I, would, uh, I would not be talking to you today, uh, probably. <laughs> Joey Barton receiving votes in the chat room for his Twitter account. Yep, yep. He's, he's always uh, good. Uh, and actually, I want to thank Alexi because we actually got him through Twitter and uh, yep. our good well, thank yes. Twitter. Thank Twitter. you, Twitter. Our good friend Zach Woosley actually set us up earlier, but uh, Twitter was was our go-to move. Um, and I've been stalking you for months now, so no, that's cool. Let, let me just before we before we go, and, and I just want to make sure that I get this out. You know, I, I I've I have over the last couple of years immersed myself in in this world, whether it's you know blogs and 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 Twitter and Facebook and all this kind of stuff, and to see. Uh, the incredible wealth of of passion and knowledge when it comes not just to MLS but to American soccer, North American soccer in general. It just it it warms my heart. And uh, you know whether it's this show or you know going on uh, ESPN and, and you know talking about the World Cup. It's all about soccer. It's all about a, a sport. Um, and in this case, a, a league in MLS that we believe in. And, uh, you know, I want to thank you for everything that, that you guys uh, do and everybody out there. And this isn't just me, uh, you know, uh, saying how, how great you are. But, you know, the, re the reality no, is... No, we're not. saying that. Yeah, no, saying that. <laughs> but the reality is that we're, we're all part of this soccer family and part of this soccer army, as, as, as corny as that might sound. And, uh, you know, we will, uh, we will continue to get bigger and better. And it's fun to be a part of it. Well, and we and we appreciate you saying that because there's you know plenty of shows that you've been on and done, and the fact that you uh, th you in the same breath mentioned us in ESPN is almost laughable and discredits you. <laughs> so uh, let's talk about uh, ESPN and the World Cup. Uh, as this week, Fox wins the broadcasting rights yep. uh, to the World Cup, and um, what does that do for the MLS on NBC now? 
Well, I mean, you know, it was a bummer from from my perspective, you know, because I'm with ESPN and, and uh, you know, I want to see them continue to do it. And I think I look back to what we did in the summer of 2010 and I'm incredibly proud of what happened uh, with the way we presented the World Cup. And, um, you know, I want to continue to do that. But the reality is that, you know, things change. And I have full confidence that Fox is going to figure out a, a way to do it. You know, I'm... Uh, you know, looking forward to the 2014 uh, World Cup in uh, in Brazil, and um, you know, as a, as as to how it impacts MLS remains to be seen. You know, I think uh, ESPN was very clear over the past couple of days in in reinforcing their commitment uh, to soccer on the channel, but you know, we'll see how that actually actually plays out. You know, I think that this isn't the death of, uh, of Major League Soccer in terms of uh, television. And, you know, we might, like I said, do some zigging and zagging and, and figure it out as we go along. But um, MLS is, is going nowhere. we got to figure out a way to get more people to watch Major League Soccer on television, whether it's on ESPN or any, any station. Um, and that's, you know, that's, that's a real ask right now. we got to figure out a way to do that. That should be a priority for the ownership and for the league and for the fans. But, you know, we'll see what happens. And so you don't, you don't think that the NBC deal and the conversion of Versus to NBC Sports, um, that doesn't put a limit on it? You don't see that as NBC not wanting to renew that deal? You know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting to see what impact they get from having it and how it goes. Is it a positive type of situation? You know, I don't know at this point. You know, they have... You know, they, they've, they've jumped on board with soccer, and I think that's a good thing. Whether it's a short period of time, I, I don't know. Our job is to make sure that this product that they are putting on um, is credible, uh, is exciting, is entertaining. Whether it's on NBC, whether it's on ESPN, whether it's on you know, any network, right. you've got to make sure that you're giving them quality content. And I think that the content gets better and better every single year, but we've still got a long way to go. And TV... Uh, as far as the business and the future of Major League Soccer, just like any sports and any and any league, is crucial. Do you think that they, Do you think they'll make the dancing robot? That's exactly what I was getting ready to say. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, I, it, it'll be interesting to see what what Fox does. But you know, we we got all crazy this past week because of this. But the reality is, it's a long That's way seven, off. Yeah. It's a lock and change. Very years long years way on off. and off the field. So Bicep you guys have. Been I've, I've also worked for them, so I kind of know how cheap it is. So well, you know, <laughs> You guys have been around long enough to to recognize that this sport on and off the field changes very very quickly, and and what we're talking about today might be completely blown out of the water four years right. or seven years and from now. And the exactly. way and technology is going to change by you know by next by the time yeah. it's on NBC, so you never know. Yeah, you guys, will have, doing, we'll, you guys will be doing your own show at that point, you know? I mean, it'll By be, then we'll have moving clouds. All that kind of stuff. Really, the whole co the concept we'll have, of this show is that it's three of us sitting around having a conversation if people just happen to pop in that works. And that's kind yep. of the way it works every week is somebody pops in. It's usually one of our kids, <laughs> but it's still uh, somebody pops in. Usually? Yeah. Oh, Alexi, okay, for you, most important thing to teach kids in soccer starting out, three, four years old. Man, you know, it's... My my kids don't play soccer. Um, they, I mean, they are exposed to more soccer than any six and three year old should ever be <laughs> exposed to, uh, and maybe that's why they want absolutely nothing uh, to do with it. As far as I mean, really, really young kids. I mean, look, what are you going to teach them to to juggle or, or you know the benefits of a back four divided by a, a or, uh, as opposed to a back three? I mean, 
they just got to play. This, and they should always have a ball. Whether And I know this might irritate some parents and stuff like that. If they want to dribble through the house and you want them to become better soccer players, let them dribble. Let them, let them dribble the ball anywhere that they possibly can. Always have a ball. And, and, you know, because we talk about the ability to get out of tight spaces, either through possession or individual skill. Well, tight spaces are dribbling around, the, dribbling around chairs and dribbling around couches yeah. and dribbling through corridors and doing all that kind of stuff. That's, that's important stuff. And it's, it seems like a, a simple little thing. And it is simple, but it can be very, very important in terms of the development. I always tell my yeah. kids, just don't reach down and pick it up. Yeah, okay, that's, that's the deal. Uh, so let's. I tell mine to hide their elbows, but that's me. Uh, we, we are having a couple. This question is coming through a lot. Who's your fa Who's your favorite player of all time, Alexi? Oh, let's see. Um, I tell you what, you know, I, I like I said when I was in Italy, uh, I was at, in Italy at a time where there was incredible uh, talent, and every single Sunday I was going up against great players. And I was always okay against the, the big guys, you know, I could kind of, you know, uh, just brute force, kind of figure it out. It was the small guys that just made me look silly. So, and, and in that sense, a guy like Gianfranco Zola just made me look absolutely silly on a couple of occasions, you know, where, you know, he would, he would head to the near post and I would bite and he would peel off and go to the back post and, you know, I wasn't even close to getting him. I wasn't the only one that he made look silly, but a guy like him was incredible. Um, a, a, a Romario, his center of, uh, of okay. uh, gravity and his balance and, uh, you know, his ability to fight you off, it was pretty incredible. If, in, in terms of actual Major League Soccer, you know, Carlos Valderrama gets a lot of... Uh, attention for the way that he looked and, and obviously the way that he played. One thing that no, people don't talk a lot about Carlos Valderrama is his strength, is his ability to hold people off through incredible upper body and lower body strength. And you would try to kick him and he would make that absolutely beautiful pass, but he would do it with a combination of just genius up here and wonderful feet, but also a physical uh, part that just went unnoticed a lot. It was very difficult to kick Car uh, Carlos Valderrama. And uh, I was just thinking about the other day when somebody asked me about him, about things that you might not think about when you think of Carlos Valderrama. Uh, the uh, goal of the year. Okay. Oh, it's got to be Hasley, right? I mean, uh, yeah. you know, it's... I, I don't. I can't think of... How, well, I mean, Darlington Nagby, it's kind of the same thing. Yeah, you know what? When I saw it, I said, you know what, I, I, I appreciate Darlington Nagby's goal more than Hasley's goal, but I think for that one second of incredible, you know, wonder, if you will, it, it's got to be Hasley's goal. One, and now, I the, thought the Juan Aguadelo's goal was good, too. No, nah, that's not like, uh, you know, I mean, I think Nagby's goal with the skill and the composure it took to lift it up to himself and then yes. hit it, and he didn't smack it. <clears throat> didn't smack it full on. It wasn't a bullet. It was just absolutely, you know, beautiful in the way that it that it the trajectory that it took to go to the upper ninety. It was it was really something to see. But I think I think probably Hasley. If I had to go one way or the other, it's going to be him. Uh, I I think the if I understand this right. Your favorite ginger of all time, and that's the last. That's the last question I'm going to ask you. 
Well, let's don't, see. Ever, don't ever dare me in the chat room to ask stupid questions because I built a not so much career on that. Yeah, I mean, look here. here here's the deal with uh, with redheads, gingers, whatever you want to call us. You know, we uh, we are very proud of who We're we are. All people. And, and yeah, and we, you know, we uh, as you know, there is a movement afoot to uh, accelerate the the pace of us dying out. <laughs> And you know that's all that's all fine and well, and I think we are pretty pretty good natured in the way that we take it. But the reality is we we are also it's, you get a couple of gingers in a room together, or you ask a ginger like this to say this ginger is great, uh, and we are very selfish and egotistical when it comes to that. We, we don't want to uh, to promote uh, or compliment gingers out there. Having said that, when we do get together finally as that ginger army. It's always Look at out. night with no light, I understand. Look out. Look out, you know. <laughs> so are you saying Paul Scholes? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, he's he is a silent assassin, <laughs> I mean, you know, in the Ginger Army. You know, we send him in, uh, you know, past enemy lines in the dead of night. Uh, you, you don't even know. I mean, it's boom, boom, boom. He's done his work. He's out of there. He's back uh, having a... Uh, what do they have? Oh. An English, English tea or something like that. A ginger yeah. version of Assassin's Creed. Oh, jeez. Okay. This has broken down very quickly. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to end and it. Gentlemen, I'm sorry. I have to get back to work. We're about to start our dress rehearsal. Go, go on, Mark. Uh, I have to. Lexi, th thank you so much for coming on. Thank you thank for giving you. us your time. Thank you. Uh, oh, crap. Houston just scored Adam Moffat. Uh -oh. Crap. It's all right. I bet you still win the supporter yeah. shield. You're going to be okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> guys, thank you very much. Everybody take care. Love you guys. Lexi, again, thank you so much. Uh, you just gave us a great show. Thank you no, very much. You. Thank you very much for the support uh, of, of the galaxy and uh, and being so uh, kind of bringing me on the right, show. Stay here, Alexi. All right. uh, we'll uh, get you on Mark Hangs Up. Let's do this really quickly. If you want to follow Mark or send your comments or complaints, you can send them to at SC underscore Beaner Lights. I don't know why we'd have had that because he has had complaints before. Uh, Alexi, thank you for being such a good sport. Hey, I, I, thanks. Thanks for having me on. I hope I hope everybody understood it and can see it and all that kind of stuff. And and as I said before, it it, it it's always a pleasure to do. Is these there things. any is there anything we can plug for you? You've got the sitter on MLSsoccer.com. Uh, uh, let's what, see. What you can know, we do? Uh, Twitter's Alexi Lawless uh, two two because there's some dude that's squatting on my real right, name. And, like, Let me show this for you real quick. We've got. You can see that there's a, you can follow Alexi at Alexi Lawless twenty two. Uh, there's but that. There's there's the real picture. We'll throw that up there. You're not going to understand nor care about each and every tweet that I send out, but uh, bear with me. Eventually, there will be something that uh, hopefully tickles your fans. No, it's, it's always fun. It's always fun. And again, I appreciate you coming in on a Sunday night. I hope we didn't take away from your family time uh, too much. Thank you for everybody joining us in the chat room. Uh, and that is it. We will see you next week on Top of the Table. Thank you very much.